Good morning. Yeah, great to see you, and welcome to those of you watching online, Lover Online Campus. Thanks for joining us today. Happy long weekend. Happy August. Uh, happy birthday. Happy 25th birthday to our oldest daughter, Hope, who's home on Graham and Ann, and she's having uh, her first baby shower tonight for our first grandchild being born in November. Um, I'm only in my 20s, which doesn't seem possible. Um, but anyhow, we're glad that you are here, and uh, happy green, yeah, happy green, yeah, green is good, and we're in week four of our summer series, Identity Theft, Knowing and Living Who We, we, who we Really Are in Jesus, and I've shared some of my story with you, and some of you have been sharing your stories and how this series has been resonating with you and how you feel like uh, God is calling you and, and, and uh, stirring something new in you and bringing you back to your identity and things like that. All those good things are happening and, and it's really, really good. Churches can also lose their identity. Not just, not just individuals, but churches can also lose their identity. I've driven by churches where the grass was growing up to the windows and, you know, the roof was falling off and things like that. And the sign out front says, Victory Church. And I think, well, they, they, they might have at one time had victory, but they're not, they're not experiencing victory right now. And, and, and uh, that's not their story at the moment. They've lost their identity somewhere along the line. And churches... Churches are planted um, because of mission and vision, because people believe that, that Jesus is the hope of the world. I mean, when you see a church, even if the grass is growing up to the windows, wherever you see a church, that church is there because somebody was on fire for Christ, and somebody's thought, we need a church, and we need to be, we need to be broadcasting Jesus in our community, we need to be helping people and ministering to people. People don't build churches because they've got nothing to do. Like, they don't build them out of boredom. They don't build them because, you know, they don't know what to do with their money. They're, they're, this church, you know, there's a reason why someone decided, let's, in Marysville, let's, let's put a church on that hill over there and, and let's reach our community. They're, they're, they're planted because of, of mission and believing that Jesus is the hope of the world. Now, Crosspoint Church, as a church, We've had seasons of, of tremendous mission and purpose. There, there have been times in this church's history uh, of, of great mission and purpose when we, it, it just seemed like everything was firing on all cylinders. Those are seasons, right? We've known this to be true. We've had seasons like that and uh, seasons when that, when that wasn't true. As a church, we have raised up and sent out missionaries to serve around the world from this church. People, people in this room have accepted their call to go and serve God around the world. Uh, we've sent people from this church to remote parts of Africa. I've been on those trips with people in this church where we've literally walked into the bush of Africa and, uh, and served. We, we've done those things as a church. We've raised up pastors and others who, who've accepted calls in ministry and gone and served. As a church, we've given tremendous amounts of finances and other resources to local groups and organizations in our city and, and in our area 
who are doing God's work amongst uh, the vulnerable in our communities. Many of you serve in those, in those organizations or you've volunteered or you've given your time or you've given your money uh, to be a part of, of those, those ministries, to be Jesus to the least of these. We've had times of revival in this church. We've had times in this room when you could literally touch, like reach out and touch. The presence of God was so thick in this room you could hardly move. This is yes. Some of you know this to be true, right? You're not wearing a mask. I can see your teeth today, right? Did you brush your teeth this morning? Yeah, isn't that great? Um, one Sunday morning here years ago when we used to fill the baptism tank before we, before we remembered that we had a river down at the bottom of the hill, um, we used to fill the tank. And one Sunday morning, I felt God telling me to fill the tank on faith. There were no candidates for baptism. I just felt God said, go fill the tank. So I filled the tank. By the end of the morning, I think we baptized 18 people. And... And I said to people, like, like, you didn't bring a change of clothes. You will get wet. And people took, you know, their phones out of their pockets and their wallets out of their pockets. And they, they came up to the, and were baptized in Jesus. It, it was, the room was filled with the presence of God. We've had, we've had seasons like that as a church. We've seen people come to the altar to accept Jesus. We've seen people stand to their feet in, in a public service like this, we've seen people just, just stand to their feet and say, give me Jesus. Like, I'm all in. Like, I'm, from this day forward, I'm serving him. Um, we've, we've seen people do that. We've seen people raise their hand and say, I need Jesus. Like, <laughs> I'm here. I need to accept Jesus into my life today. We've led people to Jesus in coffee shops, in homeless shelters, in street corners, on the streets of Fredericton, and in New York City, and around the world. So we, we've had seasons of, uh, we've had times as a church when we knew our identity. And boy, we were, we were firing uh, for, for Christ. And there is nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. There's nothing like it. Like we all know, man, when the church is working right, and, and you come to church and it just feels good, and you leave church with a sense of awe. But when the church isn't working right, <laughs> you come to church and everybody has a sense of awe. The church is the hope of the world. The church should be exciting and alive and moving forward with the mission for Jesus. Like when you come to church, um, like we'll give you the whole chair, but you shouldn't really need that much of a chair. Like you should only need the first couple, you know, the outer couple around the edge of your seat. So you must, some Sundays you might not even need a chair. Like who needs a chair? Like we just stand and worship. Like when the church was full, we would say come early to get a bad seat. And give all the good seats to our visitors. We used to say these things at Crosspoint. Some of you remember this. We would say, come early for a bad parking spot. Because followers of Jesus don't care where they'll park. Like they'll, park they'll park and walk across the bridge if it means someone else can, can park and, and hear Jesus, right? There, there were times of revival like that. Wow. You should leave here on Sunday fed up. Have you ever left church fed up? Right? Like sometimes you leave church, I'm, 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 I'm fed up. 
Sometimes you leave church and you say, I'm fed up. I just feel fueled up and, and encouraged and, and loved and worship was good and the word was good and the fellowship was good and I can't wait to get out of here and get back out into the city and tell people about Jesus. It should just... It should just spill out of you and overflow out of you throughout your week. And when people say, what has gotten into you? You say, Jesus. I was at church on Sunday morning and we, the worship was, you know, and everything was good. And we just lifted God. I'm just so thrilled about Jesus and who he is and what he's doing in my life. And they say, well, you've lost weight. And you say, no, no, I've been eating everything. It's not that. It's Jesus. Well, it's, it's summer, you've, you've got a tan and you've got, that, you've got that glow about, no, it's not, it's Jesus, I'm telling you. You get fired up. The New Testament teaches us a rhythm of come and see and go and tell. That's in the New Testament. Come and see, Jesus invited lots of people, come and see. And then he sent them out, go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. It's like the ocean, come and see, go and tell. And you come and see. It's what you're doing right now. And you experience Jesus. And then you go and tell of his goodness to others. And when a church gets on mission, gang, are you with me? When a church gets on mission and lifts Jesus high, people will come from everywhere to watch it burn. When, when a church gets, gets on mission like that, you'll leave here just, just wanting to invite everyone you know. Like, we won't have to say, now bring somebody with you next week or don't forget to invite. We won't have to tell you that because you'll just leave here and say to people, I'm telling you, you've got to come with me. I'm telling you, you've got to come with me and see what God is doing. You've got to come with me. And eventually, people will say, would you just shut up? Like, I'll, you know, I'll, okay, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. You know, calm down, calm down, I'm coming. Crosspoint has, been, Crosspoint has been there in the past. And then, let's just say, life happened. Stuff happened. We all know this to be true. Yes? We all know this to be true, and stuff happened. And COVID happened. Right? And here we are. And it feels to me, this summer, like, like there's a stone that's being rolled away from Crosspoint. I just feel like like there's like 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 God is moving and stirring and and it just feels like whatever whatever that's been whatever we say the last few years and the last season that we've been in as, as a church has been that that season is there's a new season coming and I just feel like that stone is is being rolled it happened in my life right around Easter God just, just rolled that stone away from me and called me and said, I'm not done with you. You know, you, I'm not done with you. You are not picking beach glass for the rest of your life. And you've, you're, going, you're getting back in there and you're going to Crosspoint and here I am and here we are. Um, I wasn't fishing for applause, but I'll take it. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, the resurrected king is resurrecting Crosspoint Church. It's his church. This is, this is his church. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's his. And as long as people need Jesus, Crosspoint must know its identity, its calling, and do all that we can do to make Jesus famous for the good of the city 
and the hope of the world. That's my introduction. We're going to be here till about 3 o'clock. Just kidding, but that is my introduction. Um, Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is in the northern corner of Israel. If you're standing there in Caesarea Philippi, you look right across the border to Lebanon. It's right there. It's at the foot of Mount Hermon. I've been there several times, and I'll take you whenever you want to go. Um, we took a trip from here years ago from Cross Point, um, and it's amazing. Um, so why is this important? Caesarea Philippi was an, a, a, an area particularly known for its... Um, pagan worship of many, 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 many gods. That's what it was known for. Now, that's important because in Matthew chapter 16, Matthew tells us about a time when Jesus and his disciples were in Caesarea Philippi, where people were known for worshiping all these other gods. And against that backdrop, Jesus takes the opportunity to make sure that his disciples, and us, that we're clear about who he is. We said this on the front end of this series. If you're struggling with identity, if you've lost your identity, if it's been stolen from you, if you're wanting to know who am I, um, what is my purpose, what is life all about, look deep into Jesus. Like Take a deep dive on Jesus because the clearer you are about who Jesus is, the clearer you will be about who you are. Like you find your identity in him. And so in Matthew chapter 16, this is where Jesus makes sure with the disciples that they see him clearly. Before they get their mission and get sent out, they've, they've got to be sure that they're sure that they're sure that they're sure that they know who Jesus is. And like those who lived in northern Israel 2,000 years ago, in our culture, there are shrines to other gods all around us. Yes, there, there, are, there, there are other gods all around us. And so we need to be clear. We need to be vigilant and diligent about who Jesus is. So it's Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? The Son of Man was Jesus' favorite expression for himself. So he says to them, who do you say that I am, that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. So others, others say you're Jeremiah or one of those other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say, who do you say, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. You are the son of God. And Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, or Jonah, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. You ever have somebody ask you a question, but you know it's not the real question? And you're like, well, well, okay, okay, just tell me the real, what's the real question? You know, because you know that that's not the real question. So that's just the warm-up question. That's the question before the question. And Jesus says to them, 
um, you know, who do you say that I am? And they give him all these answers. And it's, he starts out kind of, kind of broad, you know, what, what are people saying about me? What's the word on the street? And then, woof, Jesus brings it right in and says, yeah, but okay, who do you say I am? And we touched on this last week. This is the biggest question you will ever have to answer. You're going to have some big ones in life, but you'll never have a bigger question than this. And how you answer this question has the potential to, to change your life, to change uh, your, your family tree, spiritually speaking. It's verse 15, where Jesus says to them, who do you say I am? That is the, the most important question that you'll ever have to answer. And, and you'll be confronted with that question, not just here, like you are right now. Like right now, everybody in this room, you've got to decide, just who is he? Who is he? You, you'll, you'll make your, your decisions about who he is. But, but you'll also do that when you see someone wearing a cross or something like that, and you'll think, who is Jesus? Or when you drive by a church or, or when you're confronted with, with mortality, somebody dies, you're sitting in a funeral or somebody gets horrible news or something like that. Like there'll be times in your life when you'll, you'll have to stop and think, who is this man? Why am I here? Like why is all this a coincidence? Is it a fluke? Is it, is it, is it created? Like, like you'll have to answer those big questions. Who is he? And if you've never answered that question, if you're here this morning, it's very possible that someone's here this morning and you don't know that you've ever really answered that question for yourself in your life. Who, who is he? Uh, maybe you're still wrestling with this. Today, August, I think August 1st, Green Sunday, 2021 at Cross Point Westland, I think it'd be a great day for you to, to cross that line of faith. Now, if you're thinking about, well, I've got, Pastor Tim, I've got so many questions. Everybody in this room has questions. A lot, there are people in this room who have been serving Jesus like their whole lives and they still have doubts, fears, questions. But you'll never have all of your questions answered. That's why we call it a faith. It's a step of faith that you have enough information to believe. There are Many great reasons to believe in Jesus. We're going to talk about some of those here this morning. There's, there's enough good reasons to believe. And then, and then God, help me with my faith to, to know you more. And some of your questions will be answered as you just do life with Christ. And some of them will never be answered. The beginning of understanding is understanding that you'll never understand everything. Do you understand? That's, that, that, that's just how it works. It's called faith. Um, we're going to be sharing communion at the end of this service. Communion is, uh, we call it a sacrament, a symbolic token that we believe, that we believe in the, in the broken sacrifice, the body of Jesus Christ for our sins. Communion is a sacrament. It's an emblem that we receive as a group together um, saying, we believe the body of Jesus, his blood was shed for our sins. Now, this, later when we receive communion, that's gonna be a perfect time. And if you're, if you're watching online, I just gave you a heads up to go find something in your house to have communion with, anything. Find a cracker, find a piece of bread, find chips, find anything. 
Uh, we're going to take communion here in a few minutes. And as we receive communion, that could be your point of decision. That could be you saying, Jesus, today's my day. I'm going to start this journey of faith. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to believe. I'm going to start believing today. I'm going to invite you into my life. That could be your, today could be your day. Um, Peter tells us, or Peter tells Jesus who Jesus is. He replies to him, you're the, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. Peter tells Jesus who Jesus is. And then Jesus tells Peter who Peter is. In this defining moment of Matthew 16, it's, it's not only Peter who gets his identity, as Jesus says, okay, you are the rock, um, but it's also the church. It's also the church. We get our identity in Matthew chapter 16. This, this movement that we're a part of called church, a movement around the resurrected son of God that we're a part of, gets its conception here in Matthew 16. And if you go to Caesarea Philippi today and you visit those, those shrines, you will find stone tributes to dead gods who could not keep their promises. They've been busted as myths. Their followers shammed by a hoax. But here we are. Here we are, right? I mean, they got these carvings in stone to all these dead gods who have been busted as a hoax, but, but we're still worshiping Jesus. Here we are this morning. 2,000 years later and billions of followers later, the church of Jesus is still going and still growing and thriving, not because one more prophet happened to say some good things, but because Peter and hundreds of others saw Jesus crucified, dead, and buried, and then they met him after the resurrection. They met him, and they touched him. <laughs> they, like, poked him to make sure it wasn't a hallucination. It was Jesus. And Rome didn't have a body. Rome couldn't say, oh, we found him. Here he is. Everybody go home. Because they didn't have a body. It was not a hoax. No body expected no body in the tomb. And they ate with Jesus. And they talked with Jesus after his death. And, and the resurrection was so real and indisputable to the point that they, they literally, willingly signed up to give their lives to Jesus. In a time when, come to Jesus and you may die. People said, oh, I'm in. I'm, I'll, I'll serve Jesus because they saw him after the resurrection. This church of Matthew 16 emerged in history at a time when, when Rome was brutal towards, towards any threat to their empire. It was certainly dangerous to profess and confess your faith in this other king. And they did. And they were baptized publicly in the Nashwalk on August 8th. Next Sunday, after the 1030 service, they walked down the hill and they, and they were publicly baptized in the Nashwalk. And then they barbecued and ate burnt things for Jesus. 
These people who, who encountered the resurrected Jesus, they, um, they preached publicly at the threat of death. Even though they might be imprisoned or dragged out of town or, or, or killed, they started churches. They didn't use the word church. It wasn't even a word back then. But they started these, these communities of faith around the resurrected Jesus. And they took the words of Jesus serious. And they loved their neighbors. Get this, gang. They, such a, a radical, audacious love that the world had never seen before. The people wondered, like, what has gotten into you? They loved their neighbors on a level that the world had never seen before. They cared for the widows and the orphans. They built hospitals and orphanages, and they gave all that they had for the least of these. Now, the church is far from perfect. We've already mentioned that. But it is God's plan, and we're a part of that conversation right now. We're a part of Matthew 16. You can tie a thread from Jesus saying to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. You can tie a thread from there to here right now, to this moment right here right now. You're a part of that. And Jesus said, the powers of hell will, not, will never conquer it. The powers of whatever we've been through as a church the last few years, the power of COVID, the power of whatever you want to say, will not conquer it. Verse 18, Jesus said to him, now I say to you that you are Peter. Now, Peter already knew his name. My parents called me Peter. Like, I've been Peter my whole life. And Jesus says to him, no, no, no. <clears throat> now now you're, you're really Peter. You're Peter 2.0. And I want you to know, gang, that, that you, you and Jesus are better than just you. Like, like you, there's, there's a version of you with Christ that that's when you're fully alive. That's when you're living and knowing God's purpose and, you're, and, and you, you, life starts to make sense. Not, I know there'll still be things that don't make sense, but you start to feel like, okay, there, there's, there's purpose and meaning to all this. You have identity and God gives you clarity and God draws out of you your full potential and your calling. Don't settle for the earthly average of you. Be you 2.0. And so Jesus says to Peter, hmm, you, you were Peter, but now you're, now you're Peter. You're really Peter. You're, you're the full Peter that you were created and meant to be. And he says to him, upon this rock, upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Um, which rock was Jesus talking about? Was it, was it Peter, or was it Peter's confession that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Is it our faith, or the teaching of Jesus, or is it Jesus himself? Like, which rock is it? And the answer is yes. First, um, just a quick definition on church. We need to clear that up and then we'll keep going. The word that Jesus used was ecclesia or ecclesia, however you want to pronounce it. That's, that's the word that Jesus used. didn't use the word church. The word church didn't even exist. And it meant community or fellowship. Now, when I say the word church, we all have associations, word associations that we make in our mind. And I've, I've been a pastor almost 30 years, and I've grown up in the church, and, and, and I've, got, I've got great memories, and I've got brutal, brutal 
memories and all of that in between, and you probably do too. When you say the word church to your unchurched friends, they've got word associations that some, some of them just cringe and think, are you nuts? Why would I go to church with you? I'm going to stay home and bath my cat. Like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to church. They have no idea what it's like on the inside. They have no idea what we do. And, and you're just like telling them, you know, like, you know, you're so excited and animated and la, 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 la. And they think, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to church. Like, they just, the church doesn't bring a warm, fuzzy feeling in their heart. And so we all have these associations that we make around, around that word church. But we've, we've got to come back to what did Jesus mean in Matthew 16 when he says, and on this rock I will build my ecclesia or my ecclesia. What, what did he mean? I'm going to give you a definition. A gathering of people around Jesus as the resurrected son of God, the reading and teaching of God's word, worship, fellowship, care, and loving the world in radical ways. Church. And we, we meet in buildings. We, we meet in buildings, but we are not a building. We are, you are Crosspoint Church. You are the church of Jesus, not, not the structure. Now, the church is all about Jesus. I know that's it's elementary to say that, but we need to hear it. It belongs to him. It's for him. And when, pe when people like Peter boldly step forward and declare that Jesus is the Son of God, he's the Messiah, Jesus is the King, when, when we do that, gang, when you publicly step forward and say, I believe that you are the Son of God, that's, that's unstoppable. When people love the way that Jesus taught us how to love others, that's unstoppable. When you and I hold to these truths, even when culture around us is, is pressuring us to bend and twist and back off and, and change these things, but when we hold to them, gang, that's unstoppable. <laughs> Lift Jesus high. Love like crazy, serve sacrificially, and the church will never die. Lift Jesus high, love like crazy, serve sacrificially, and the church will never die. Now, if you know Peter's story, you're already thinking ahead. And you're thinking, yeah, okay, that's, that's good, but like, like a couple days later, the guy just falls right off the bike. Like he just face plants. Like he, he has this, this high moment and then, you know, a few hours later, he's down. And isn't that us? Like, like man, I went to church. And then Monday happens. <laughs> it knocks you right off your bike. You're like, oh, you start, you know. Like that's just, it, it's, we're, we're like that. Peter um, betrayed, not long after this, encounter, Peter betrays Jesus and totally denies knowing him. And you think, well, how could you do that? And yet we do it all the time. When Jesus was arrested and the events of the crucifixion started to unfold, Peter folded. And he doubted and he got scared. And in, an, in a time of intense crises, um, his faith wobbled. 
Now, Peter wasn't perfect. Okay, Peter wasn't perfect. So come back to Matthew 16. When Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, when Jesus placed such a heavy mantle on him, did Jesus know that Peter wasn't perfect? Of course he did. He knew that, and yet he still put that mantle on him. Okay, friends, welcome to Cross Point. My name's Tim. I'm your pastor, and I love you. Okay? But let's talk about this. The church is not perfect. Uh, mostly because we unlock it on Sunday morning and let people, we let humans come in. And we're messy. Yeah? Okay, I am. I'll talk about me. I'm messy. And I was the first one here this morning. Okay? And so the church isn't perfect. And the church will let you down. Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. And shortly after that, Peter says, I don't, even, I know, I don't know the guy. I don't know who you're talking about. Never met him. You're one of his disciples. No, I wasn't. No, not me. The church will let you down. You're not perfect and you'll let yourself down. Put your faith in Jesus, not the church. I mean, love the church. Love her with all of her imperfections. But if, if you leave the church every time you don't disagree with, or you don't, dis, you don't agree with something, let me get that right. If you leave the church every time you disagree with something, uh, you'll, you'll run, there aren't enough churches in the city of Fredericton. You're going to run out of churches. Is this true? Um. And you'll eventually end up home at the first church of me, myself, and I. And then when you have a church split, it's really going to hurt. <laughs> you'll have nobody to blame but yourself. In a moment, uh, we're going to share communion together. If you have uh, one of these little cups. If you don't have a cup and you raise your hand, someone will make sure that you, that you get a cup. Anybody need a cup? I think we're good. So there are two emblems inside this package that represent the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus for our sins. Um, next week, we're going to talk about Peter 2.0, Peter after the resurrection. Peter comes back. He makes a comeback in the book of Acts. He has seen the resurrected Jesus. He is fully convinced and he's unstoppable. And he will give his life for, for Jesus. We're going to see that. It's Acts chapter 2 if you want to do your homework this week and be reading up on that. Um, his, his, his encounter, his experience with the resurrected Jesus changed everything for him. And that was true in my life. When I met the resurrected Jesus, I was never the same again. So you hold in your hands these, these, these emblems. Um, actually, this week and next week, with communion and baptism, we're celebrating two sacraments of the church that people have been doing since Matthew 
since this letter was written. This is what followers of Jesus have been doing. They've been remembering his body that was broken, his blood that was shed, and they've been celebrating their new life with this uh, symbol of uh, being, being buried like Jesus was buried, being raised like Jesus was raised, being washed and cleansed by the, by the power of God. It's a beautiful thing. Next Sunday's gonna be off the charts. We're gonna, man, I can't wait for next Sunday. But I'm, we're here, okay, this Sunday, stay focused. Um, in communion and baptism, we participate in the, the ecclesia, the ecclesia. We identify with Jesus like billions of people have for over 20 centuries. Now, if you came to church this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, this, this might seem like really intense and heavy. Um, that's the presence of God. That's, that's not me. It's not anything that any of us can fabricate. That's, that's God's presence in the room. Um, and I want to invite you again to, if you've never made that decision, who is Jesus, I want to invite you again to cross that line of faith today as you receive these emblems and simply saying, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you are the son of God. Now, you've got to get that first wrapper that opens up to the bread. You've got to split that, okay? Get the thin wrapper first. That'll reveal the bread. And simply saying, Jesus, I believe today that you're the son of God. I, I still have questions. I still have doubts. But you're here. And August the 1st, 2021, this is my time to invite you to be Lord of my life, to forgive me of any wrong that I've ever done, to uh, make my life 2.0 today, and I will follow you and serve you with the rest of my life. Thank you for uh, saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Um, thank you, God, for this opportunity that I have today to make the most important decision of my life. For others in the room, um, maybe, maybe this is a, a, an opportunity for you to, to come back, um, get your life focused around Christ, your identity, in him, it's just another time to say, like Peter, you are the Messiah. You're the son of God. You are the Lord of my life. The text we're going to read is Luke chapter 22, verse 17. He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this, share it amongst yourselves, I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given 
for you. Do this to remember me. And then after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And after the resurrection, that's when these words would really ring true. And they would think back to the shouts of crucify and nailing God to a tree that he created and watching his blood flow. It's after the resurrection when those words would really, really ring true in their lives. And so followers of Jesus have been doing this ever since. Let's pray for the bread this morning. God, Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to be broken in order to heal and forgive our brokenness. You allowed your body to be bruised, beaten in ways that none of us can comprehend. You hung on a tree, public shame, took your last breath so that we could live. We thank you for your obedience and your surrender and may it encourage us and inspire us to, to give you our all, to not hold anything back. We thank you for the, the bread and this opportunity this morning to remember your sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us take the bread today. And then he took a cup. Of course, in those days, it was a cup of wine, and they passed it around, and they all drank out of the same cup. And um, Jesus said, take this and, and drink it, and, and as you do, remember my blood. And why, why is that important? It's because when we come into a place like this today, we can be free from our sin. We, we don't have to bring a sacrifice. We don't have to, no other blood has to be shed because the blood of Jesus paid it all. It covered us. And uh, grace and forgiveness is available because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I need that every day and so do you. So as, uh, let's pray for this and then we'll receive it. Again, Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Ah, such a radical concept. It's hard to fully comprehend, but it's powerful and it's meaningful and it's life. And we know that nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away our sin. And there might be some in the room right now or all of us who are uh, confessing right now, who are inviting uh, your grace to flow like water to the deepest places of our lives, to wash us clean, that we might leave here today um, made new uh, in the likeness of you. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. In your name we pray, amen. Let's receive the cup.
Amen.